Are you a web designer burned out, struggling, trying to do everything yourself when you know there are some things that you are just not good at? Stick around for this episode of the Subscription Web Design Podcast. I want to help you through this situation. You don't have to stay stuck here forever. You can break free from doing the work that you're not the best suited to and that you don't enjoy. You can start collaborating and working around these problems. So let's dive in. One of the most impactful things that I have ever learned in business has two sort of parts to it. The first one is that you don't have to do everything that you hate doing. There are some things in business that you just don't like. Maybe you don't like some of the aspects of actually running the business. Maybe you've come to find that you enjoy some aspects of actually running the business. It's actually that you don't like doing some aspects of the fulfillment work to actually deliver the work to clients. Okay, No matter which end of that spectrum you're on, there are ways for you to have other people do that work. And there's multiple ways for you to have other people do that work. We'll get there in a minute. Okay. The other thing that I've found is that there is stuff that you really should not be doing long term. Now, it's a little bit different in every business. Okay. It's typically going to lean more towards the side of the actual business development being what you should be focused on and less of the technical work. But maybe there's a part of the technical work that you really, really enjoy. Here is um, a part of the technical work that you really, really enjoy and you might want to keep on doing that long term. And I think you can. But here is the big unlock. Here's the thing that you have to realize for your business to grow to a place where you have the kind of freedom that most entrepreneurs want to have. You will gain more by doing less as you go on. And this is, this is a lesson by the way that I'm still learning, but every day I learn this lesson more and more. And it sounds so funny, but the less I do, the more effective my team is the better our results are and the more my business grows. So every day I'm looking for little opportunities to find ways for me to do less because when I'm doing less, the business is accomplishing more. Again, what I'm talking about is an objective reality that many business owners have noticed. So you're probably spinning your wheels right now thinking, I'm doing everything I can. I can't even afford to hire somebody. Maybe you're in that boat and you're thinking, I'm I'm getting 12 things checked off the to-do list every day, but I don't feel like I'm making any progress. And that's why. That's why. Because you doing 12 things a day means you are constantly stuck in the current, what you're currently working on, okay? And if we could just use a seafaring analogy, you're literally swept up in the current, okay, in the waves. What you need to be doing is sitting atop the lookout tower with a telescope, looking for new land, new possibilities, new places to go, new ways for the business to grow. Most of you aren't growing your business because you're doing too much. 
and you're too far down in the weeds. So there's a few things that you need to do to move out of this situation. Okay, now the, the gist of this episode is to capitalize on your strengths and to hire around your weaknesses. I say this because it's the quickest and most sensible path to hire, right? When you can identify what you're great at and then you can identify what you're not great at, filling in the gaps of your weaknesses or covering your liabilities is a great first step towards starting to free you up to do more of what you're good at or to hone your skills in areas where you need to be improving like your marketing and sales efforts, okay? So you want to capitalize on your strengths and you want to hire around your weaknesses. Here are a few ways to do that, okay? First of all, you need to take your tasks and organize them into different zones. Now, you can sort of pick your productivity guru here. For me, on this point, I like to follow Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt has a very helpful matrix for this. And basically, you've got, I think he calls it the freedom compass, but you've got four zones on the compass. You've got the desire zone, the disinterest zone, the distraction zone, and the drudgery zone, all right? So you can actually take all the tasks that you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and put them somewhere on this graph, okay? And here's what it is. A desire zone item is something that you're really good at and you really love, okay? You're really good at, you really love it. A disinterest zone is going to be a task that you are good at, but you don't love it, okay? People can look at you and say, yeah, he's, he's really competent. He does that job really well, but he absolutely hates doing it. Okay. Third, a distraction zone task would be a task that you love to do, but you're not very good at it. You really like doing it, but it's just not up to snuff for where you need to be with it. Side note, there could be a 3B zone called the development zone. Uh, usually these are going to fall into the realm of hobbies. Maybe you love golf, but you're bad at it. That doesn't mean you should stop playing golf. It means you should get better at golf. So you're in the development zone on that. You can do development zone tasks in your business, of course. But let's be honest, most of the time, those tasks that you find in your development zone are things that probably should be hired out for somebody else to do them. Okay, so you have desire, disinterest, and distraction. And then the last one is drudgery, okay? A drudgery zone item is going to be something that you're bad at and you don't love doing it, okay? So you hate doing this task and you're no good at it anyway. And so that's the perfect kind of task to delegate first. Now, my preference would be for you to be spending 90 plus percent of your time in your desire zone doing tasks that you love and that you're good at, okay? Some things you will have to do for a while. So there are going to be many times where you do have a number of tasks still in your disinterest zone while you don't have those gone yet. But you need to definitely get rid of anything in your drudgery zone ASAP and then move to your distraction zone next and get rid of those things, get them off of the table because you don't want to be working on those. The goal for your business is to spend as much time in your desire zone as possible. Okay, that is both fiscally responsible, right? Uh, 
for you to be passionate about what you're doing and produce the best results just makes sense for your business, right? You are very naturally going to make more money if you're spending most of the time doing something that you love to do and that you're good at, right? That's your desire zone, okay? So it only makes sense from that standpoint, but also it's just a happier way to run your business. So what this comes down to really is that you have to decide who you want to be. Okay, so to make all this happen, there is a process that I want to take you through that will, I think, speak your language and help you out as a web designer that will sort of mirror, in a sense, the um, actual removal of these things from your life and in accordance with these zones. So yes, I, I do encourage you to go ahead and do what I suggested, you know, putting the, the tasks into these different zones, desire, disinterest, distraction, and drudgery. But I think there's some things that will help you also here, okay? So number one is to decide who you want to be. Decide who you want to be. What is the business you want to run who do you want to be as the owner of that business? Do you want to be sitting in front of a computer working in Photoshop or on WordPress in the next three to five years? Now, if the answer to that question is yes, then fine, okay? If the answer to that question is, well, I will have to, that's not fine. That's not what I'm asking, okay? This is not about what you need or what you think you're going to need. I'm very intentionally using the word want. What do you want to be doing in your business in the next three to five years? Start there. That's going to make the rest of this whole process a lot easier. Okay. Okay. Second, now again, anything I say from here on has to be weighed against that decision that you've just made about who you wanted to be. Okay. Just my understanding of how, number one, most web designers think, and then number two, a, a path that is sustainable for most web designers to make, which I think they should, here's what I think you should do next. Number two is to start by filling in technical gaps, all right? Start by filling in technical gaps. Why is that? Well, you don't want to fill in um, business development gaps yet. Okay, because you are still the owner of your business. Nobody can sell or market your business better than you can. Even if that's the thing you hate the most, it is one of those things as the business owner, it's the skill that you must develop, okay? Continually, your business is going to need you to be there for the business development aspect of it. So this is the thing you outsource last, okay? At the same time, uh, some people recommend going ahead and starting by filling in administrative gaps. I don't recommend that, okay? The reason why I don't recommend that is because it can be really hard in your brain for you to justify the time commitment of filling in administrative gaps, like, you know, getting a personal assistant or somebody to manage your calendar or check your emails or things like that. Even though it's a good thing to do, there's two problems with it. First, it's going to mess with your head because you already don't have time to do the work that you're doing, let alone you're going to think that you need all this additional time to now train an assistant to do things like you want them to. And by the way, it does take time and it takes time for things to get it, you know, things done how you want them to. Okay. It's not easy 
to have somebody come in and do administrative assistant type of work for you, especially when you're already bogged down for time. If they're not, you know, a highly paid professional, a lot of times you're going to be working with people who need a lot of training and even highly paid professionals still need time to get used to you and how you work and understand and everything else. Okay. Um, the second problem with this is that it's really hard for you to map administrative time to revenue. So it will be very hard in your mind for you to continually justify paying this person who is a cost center. Now, they're not truly a cost center, but you're going to feel like they're a cost center. I promise. And as long as you harbor feelings toward that person that they're a cost center, you will not use them to the ability that you should, to the effectiveness that you should, and you'll probably end up letting them go because you don't have the time to commit to them and they're costing you money anyway, quote unquote, right? So not good. So I recommend that you start by filling in the technical gaps, all right? You start by filling in the technical gaps in what you can do because you might hate this work. Let's say you love design, you hate development, all right? Here's the thing. Development still has to happen on the project though, right? So since that's the case, whoever comes in, they are directly contributing to your company making money. Much easier to justify. Number two, you're not the expert at development anyway, or you hate doing it or whatever it is. So likely, you're not going to have all these guidelines and rules about what the developer should do. They're going to come in and bring their own experience and skill with them. Okay? So now what you're talking about is, is leveraging a person who has skill and experience in doing the thing that you either don't like or aren't good at. And that's a really, really great place to start. So you start by filling in those technical gaps. Now, after you filled in technical gaps, maybe you are now doing the one thing that you want to remain doing as a technician, right? Maybe you want to keep the design, you want to keep the development, you want to keep the copywriting. Maybe that's nothing. Maybe you don't want to keep any of that stuff and that'd be fine by me. Maybe you're to the point where you've basically outsourced all of the technical work. I mean, there's a couple things that I still have to do in my business, but this is basically where I'm at. Pretty much all of the technical work is outsourced to people who are better at it than me, okay? Including the project management, which is a little bit technical and administrative, okay? So let's just say for the sake of argument that that's administrative, all right? Now, after you've outsourced all the technical work, as much of it that you want to, then you move into administrative, Okay. Now you should have some time freed up to start working with administrative people like assistants and project managers who can uh, learn from you to deliver the projects, If in the case of a project manager, how you like and to manage the team, how you like, or in the case of assistant, uh, an assistant, to manage the details of your life and of your business, how you like. Okay, So you should have the time freed up to do that and in your mind... You should be making more money as well because you should also have time freedom to do business development. And so you should be able to justify that cost a lot more. What you're going to find now is that there, there might be a period of time where you still have your head in administrative stuff too often that you shouldn't have your head in since you're not the one doing the, te the technical work anymore. And I still have a little bit of this, by the way, that we're working on overcoming in our business. The reality is, is that I'm still coming in and answering some technical questions that I'm no longer the best technical person to answer, okay? So we've got people on our team who are way more suited for that than me. It's just not currently part of our process for those people to get the escalation right away when that's exactly what should be happening, right? 
So that's what we're working on now and, and working that into a regular part of our process. So, so we fill in the administrative gaps after we've got all the technical gaps filled in. Okay, now we could start moving to business development gaps. Okay, you could start making bigger deals. You can start looking at maybe getting some grants or maybe bringing in some salespeople, commission only, and some different things that you can do to um, fill in the gaps in a business development sense. Maybe there's a childhood friend that you've been friends with forever. They're in a different you know, state or something like that. And it's like, well, we could maybe work together. You know, you could sell my web design services in your area uh, and then we fulfill on the work, et cetera. So like there's a, a lot of opportunity that you could go into there, expanding sales, maybe even trying to get some white label relationships going with people who want to sell your services, but don't want to actually fulfill it on the back end. You could do that sort of thing. There's lots of different ways to fill in the business development gaps, and once you have that, once you have all three of those filled in, then what you start to have is a as a company that manages itself. You have a company that can win new deals, that can manage the details to see those projects through, and who can actually deliver on the promises that your company makes. And then you have a company that manages itself all by starting small, capitalizing on your strengths, and hiring around your weaknesses. So I hope this was helpful for you at the very least. Maybe you say, Steve, I'm just not there yet. Okay, fine. Hire earlier than you think you can though. Um, it's amazing the difference it will make in your business if you want to scale this. And I, I hope that this has at least given you some vision, some sort of um, a look into the possibilities of what could happen if you decide to take this route. So remember, first decide who you want to be. Then start filling in technical gaps, then fill in administrative gaps, then finally fill in the uh, business development gaps and life will get a whole lot easier. Your business will grow a whole lot faster and better. You'll be doing great work for your clients, better than you could have ever possibly imagined. And business will start to be a lot more fun. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. We'll see you guys in the next episode of the podcast. Hey there, it's Steve, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. You know, one of the biggest questions that I get is, okay, Steve, I'm excited. I love this idea of subscription web design, but I have no clue where to get started. If that's you, go to subscriptionwebdesign.com right now, enter your best email address, and I'm going to send you an exclusive training that I did on the five models of subscription web design that will show you the options that are available to you and give you some things to think about on how to get started. And for a limited time, I'm going to include my contract template for subscription web design. I've been asked multiple times to provide this template, and it's usually only available to my paying students. It's a $100 value, but it's yours free. Just go to subscriptionwebdesign.com and enter your best email address there, and I'll send those right to you, as well as send you daily email tips from the trenches of running my agency. See you over there at subscriptionwebdesign.com.